So my world is largely teenagers, and if you look at any teenager's social media, you'll, you'll find that it changes kind of every day. Like if you're feeling like redneck one day, you might take your picture with a deer or some camo. I remember my daughter at one point going, Dad, I want to take my picture with a deer. It wasn't like she wanted to go hunting. It was She was feeling kind of redneck that day. And maybe the next day they're in a dress, and the next day there's a Photoshop boyfriend, and then the next day there's a cropped-out girlfriend. And so kind of their identity changes all the time. And who am I going to be accepted as today? And what do I want to look like today? And so it's kind of a crazy world that teenagers live in and sometimes we live in. And so as our staff was discussing several months ago, upcoming, I didn't put this on my ears. Sorry. No wonder I sound like that. So as our staff was discussing a couple of months ago what we would like to talk about for, uh, you know, this year in 2020, we came on this fact that sometimes we begin to make God look like we want him to look, Right. We want him to be socially acceptable and palatable, and we want to fit God into our box. And uh, God doesn't work like that, and he doesn't have to work like that. And as he, Bob spoke on sovereignty a few weeks ago, he, he is God, and he has given us his word, and he doesn't change with the times. He doesn't change with notions that we have. He is God, and we need to learn from God's word what he's like. I was on the slopes a few weeks ago with our high school students, and I happened to get on with this guy, and we started talking about his church. He was a different denomination, and I knew there was something rumbling in there, and I said, what's your opinion? Do you think your denomination will divide? And he said, oh, yeah, because part of our denomination believes that you shouldn't change with the time, but if the church is going to survive, you have to change with the, di- the times. And I was like, whoo. My lip was bleeding. I was almost at the top and and not time to get into a theological debate, but we don't have to change with the times because God doesn't change with the times. God is who he says he is. We are discussing some of those things about who God is so that we're not deceived about who God is and what he expects of us. I've been out of town the last three Sundays, and I, I just got to confess, I, I love my church. I love being in church. I love all of you. It is an encouragement to me to be here. Uh, I just love being in church. And so uh, as I was thinking, I wonder why people don't buy into that. I wonder why everybody doesn't love coming to church. And here's what I thought about. Maybe it's because every week we say, you're falling short in these areas. You're sinful. You don't deserve God, and and so we're going to present another message this week, but chances are you're going to fail again. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I think sometimes we, you know, we begin the gospel by saying, for all have sinned and fallen short of God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so there's this understanding that I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to get it beat up again this week. Because Bob preached on this last week, and I failed at it. And Scott's going to preach this week, and I'm going to fail at that. And let me tell you, that that goes for who's up here as well. It's kind of a constant process of failure. But here's what I want to talk about this morning, and the fact that God's nature is forgiveness. And this is key, and I could stop here and let you go to lunch, but I won't. But listen to this. We can't understand the glory of salvation without a full understanding of our sinful nature. We can't fully understand the gift of forgiveness until we understand what we're forgiven for, um, of how far we are from God and the fact that we desperately need forgiveness. And let's just be honest, we're church people in here this morning. We got to wonder if we're at the top of the curve, right, of good people. 
I mean, we're here this morning and probably we'll give some money later and we've tried to do the good thing. And so surely it was the top of the curve. And so we forget from where we came. We forget what we need to be forgiven for. And sometimes we get lost in the fact that we talk about our sin, but we get lost in the fact that God offers us forgiveness from where we were. There's a great story in the Bible, and it talks about Jesus teaching, and he's teaching, and the people are crowding in and crowding in until finally he's at the water's edge, and there's a boat there. And so he climbs into the boat and continues to teach. And later, he calls the professional fisherman, and he says, I want you to let out to water. We're going to go fishing. And so these guys, Simon Peter and his buddies, who are pretty darn good at fishing, are probably thinking, we're professional fishermen. We fished last night. We caught nothing. This is a terrible time to go fishing. But then he says some words that all of us should pick up on and practice in our life. But he says, because you've asked, we're going to do what you said. And so if you know the story, they go out, they drop their nets. There are so many fish that the boat begins to sink and the nets begin to tear. Now, Tom sold some big stories about his fish in the past, but I've never heard anybody say the fish were so much I had to call another boat over. And so another boat comes over and they get all the fish to the shore. And if I'm Simon Peter at this point, I'm like, I am on your team. You are clearly the man. I don't, you, you have got this thing under control. I'm going to follow you, but he doesn't. And this is what he says, if you'll look at your outline. When Simon Peter saw this, the miracle that Jesus had done, when he realized that who Jesus was, he fell at Jesus' feet and he said what? Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. What he saw was the holiness and the awesomeness of God, and what it did was shine the light on he, who he was, and that was a sinful man who deserved to be separated from God. We will not fully experience the incredible blessing of God's forgiveness until we have a proper understanding of our own sin. So blank number one, understanding our sin helps us to understand and appreciate forgiveness. Psalm 32 says this, blessed is the ones whose transgression, that word can be uh, translated as a deliberate disobedience. So he uses a word there. Um, blessed are the ones whose transgressions are forgiven. And whose sins, another word there in the original language, which means a moral failure, whose sins are covered and blessed is the one whose sin, again, he uses a third word there to uh, communicate a perverse quality that he had. So whose sins the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. For when I kept silent, before I came to know Jesus, before I confessed my sin to God, what was life like for him? What did sin feel like? Listen to this. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. He uses all three words again. He said, what was life like before I came to know Christ? The sin of my oppression was weighing on me. Maybe that's why people don't want to come to church, because they feel every week what we feel in August in, in Georgia. Well, sometimes it's 30, and then sometimes it's 100. But you know those super hot days where you just don't even want to go outside. It's just miserable. And that's what sin feels like, and maybe the reason why some people uh, don't come to church and instead want to go to a prosperity gospel church. There's a church in Texas, 7 million viewers every week in 100 countries. The pastor there worth $40 million. And he says every week, you're, you're fine. 
He doesn't talk about sin. What he talks about instead is that God loves you and wants to bless you, and people eat it up because we want encouragement, right? We're like, I'm not thin enough. I'm not a great parent. I'm not that great at my job. I don't want to go to church and get beat up again. But here's the deal. That sin oppresses and falls on us, but we can't understand the glory of God until we know what we've lost. And I don't know if you're a YouTuber, but there are about 100 videos on YouTube of people who get this thing called a cochlear implant, which means they were deaf before, and then they get this little computer put in their head, and it allows them to hear for the first time ever. And there are people on there who get eyes or they get these glasses they put on, and for the first time ever, they see their spouse or their own child. I mean, you think I cry. Man, you watch one of those videos. I want to show you a short clip of one of those. Watch this. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to turn it up a little bit more. All right. How does it sound now? Good. Is it sounding better? Can you hear my voice now? Yes. Yeah? What about mom's voice? Can you hear my voice? Yes. <laughs> So what would make someone, in one instance, laugh uncontrollably and then start bawling? Unless you're me, that's really not normal. Not many of y'all, when you heard your mom's voice this morning, went, ah, and just started bawling. Here's the deal. She heard something that was missing before. She had heard something and seen something and experienced something that was not there before. And that's what forgiveness means to the follower of Jesus. That's why we should run to church. That's why we should be excited to be here. Not that the burden of sin is oppressing us like the heat of summer, but that a loving God loves us so much and offers us forgiveness and brings us in here knowing we failed the week before and knowing we'll fail the week after. Because his nature is to forgive. That's who he is. And so sometimes we begin to undervalue our own sin as a misdemeanor and we begin to look at others as their sin is felonies. We begin to forget what we've been forgiven for, which is great. And the fact that none of us deserve what God's given us. And because forgiveness is easy, we think it's cheap. And that's why I encourage parents, don't pay for your whole kid's uh, cost to go to camp. If it's $400, you pay $300 and have them pay $100. Why? So they have some skin in the game. So they have an investment that they know that $400 is $400. And before I began to make people, the people say, oh, I need a scholarship. And I go, fine, you can come for free. And then the week before they go, oh, I got something better to do. And now I'm stuck with $400, right? Because we undervalue things that we're not invested in. And that sometimes as followers of Jesus, what we do. We don't see our sin as the sin it is until we compare ourselves with a loving God. In Luke 7, you'll remember the story where Jesus is reclining and the prostitute comes in and washes his feet with her tears and her hair. And, and then uh, Jesus says this in Luke 7, 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. We all need to recognize our sin and know that we've all been forgiven a lot. And we've all been given a gift that we don't deserve. Tim Keller in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, says this, The gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. And yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we had ever dared to hope. What an incredible quote. 
We're probably more sinful than we give ourselves credit for, but we are far more loved than we give God credit for. Let me tell you, folks, that's good news. That's the reason to be excited about coming to church. That's the reason to be excited about being around the people of God, because we've been forgiven by forgiving God. Second blank is this, understanding our sin helps us to understand God. Forgiveness is a specific expression of God's love. That's what he does. And if you'll remember, Moses brought the people out of Egypt and he brought them uh, through the desert and he finally gets to the, the mountain and he says, I'm going to go up on the mountain and I'm going to get the law of God because you're God's chosen people. Imagine the excitement that must have been there. So Moses climbs the mountain and he gets the Ten Commandments and God goes, hey, Moses, you got to head back down. Your people have, have left me and they've started worshiping a foreign God in 40 days. That's like cheating on your spouse on your honeymoon. I mean, it, there's something big about to happen, and then he wasn't going 40 days, and the people go, we don't know where he is. We need something to worship. And so Moses came down. He was fired up. He threw down the, the Ten Commandments, and the people had consequences for their sin. But here's what God did. Moses, come back up the mountain. Tell the people that I still love them. Tell the people that I forgive them that I'm going to renew my covenant with him, that when you come back up, I'm going to replace the Ten Commandments that you broke, and I'm going to send them back down to my people because I love them and I forgive them. It's who God is. It tells us about his nature. But here's the deal. God is forgiving, but he's also just. So after that happened, listen to what happened in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. But he passed by in the front of Moses, God did, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. But he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Because when we talk about the nature of God, we have to realize that God is forgiving, but he's also just. There has to be a, consequences, a consequence to sin, that he can't just wipe it away. Again, so if you committed a crime against me and you went to court and I was like, don't worry about it, just head on out, I would say, no, that's unjust. There, there has to be a consequence for sin. But here's again the great news. We have forgiveness because of Jesus, because it wouldn't have been right for God to just dismiss sin with no consequence. And so Jesus said, I'll take the consequence. I'll die on the cross. And so we understand that forgiveness comes with an incredible price, despite the fact that it's easy to achieve came at the, the price of Christ himself on the cross. So the sin is serious and the consequences are serious. But without knowing that, we don't understand that the price paid was glorious and complete. And here's the final thing and I'll be done. Understanding our sin leads us to forgive others. Paul is describing in Ephesians what it's like to be a follower of Jesus and he describes it kind of like taking off an old garment and putting on a new garment. And so instead of tell lies, you're now going to tell the truth. Instead of being angry in a way that sins, you're going to be angry in a way that brings glory to God. And he gives all these things about what the follower of Christ should do. And he says, we have an example, and this is what it is. Be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. How did Christ forgive us? Complete and over and over again, and in a way that didn't look on our sin and keep reminding us of it. God's forgiveness is real, and we have a very real example. So we'll say, well, I don't understand how to forgive. We do, because Christ showed us. 
And because he showed us, he said, you go do the, the same thing. And I'm telling you, I get caught up in this a lot when people get on my nerves. And I'm like, I, I'm done with this person. And then I think, God, thank you that you're not done with me. Thank you that you didn't give up on me. Thank you that despite the fact, again, that I messed up last week and I'll mess up this week, that you love and forgive over and over and over again and still call me a child of God and still calling me beloved and still say, I will see you one day in heaven and I offer you on this earth love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness and self-control. Folks, that's great news. And so maybe instead of beating the world over the face with their sin, we tell them that there's sin because that's important. We can't take away their sin. We say, don't worry about your sin, but we emphasize the fact that God forgives and that he loves and he sets an example by forgiving us so that we can go and forgive others. That's the gospel. That if we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages or the consequences of sin is death, but if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today, man, you've been beat up and you don't really into church and you're like, I just came here because my grandmother's here and so I came. Here's the deal. There's great news here. The great news begins with the fact that you're a sinner and it ends with the grace that God is a forgiver. It starts with the fact that you don't deserve heaven and you don't deserve blessing, but it ends with the fact that God says, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm offering it. And so if you've never made a decision for Christ before, let me just be super honest. It's not about being a Baptist. We would love for you to join our church. We tell you that every week. That's not how you get to heaven. We would love for you to be baptized. It's a command of God. It's not how you get to heaven. We get to heaven by understanding our sin and the consequences of that and going, I, God, I don't deserve to be in your presence now, much less for eternity. But I recognize that your son died on the cross for my sin that you somehow match your forgiveness with justice by saying there will be a price paid for your sin, but it's not going to be on me. It's going to be on Jesus. 